You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean O Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Nicole Pliny. As we wrap up this month of health and wellness, I felt that it's extremely important not to forget about self-care. As a mom of a toddler, I get it. It's extremely hard to prioritize yourself when you have a lot going on at work. Um, You have kids. Some of you guys have multiple kids and they can have their own agendas if they're in soccer or baseball or what have you. And that stuff is still going on even during the pandemic. Um, You have prenatal visits, some of you, some of you have wellness appointments, you have a significant other and he or her have their own functions to go to. And then there's making sure everyone is fed and your house is clean. So I understand there's a lot going on. And so self-care is really not a thing that you're even worried or concerned about. However, we can't focus on health and wellness or being a better version of ourselves without making sure we can take time for ourselves. Not taking time for self-care can lead to burnout, higher rates of divorce, and yes, worse parenting and all that entails down the line. You might find yourself yelling at your kids or fussing with your partner over the smallest little things. That's a sign that you may be burnt out. Some might say, I need a self-care day, but you need more than just a day. Self-care is compiled of activities that are intentionally done to take care of your mental, emotional, and physical health. Maintaining good self-care is the key to improve mood and reduce anxiety and can also improve your relationship with others and how you actually view yourself. So let me clarify for a bit. Self-care is not a cure for anxiety disorder or chronic health condition. It's just not that. But maintaining self-care means that you will allow yourself to seek help for these conditions early to improve upon your overall health status. It's not just about getting your hair and your nails done. Some people say, oh, I need a self-care day, so I'm going to get my hair and nails done. No, that's called grooming. But maintaining good personal hygiene can be a part of your self-care practices. So here are a few tips on ways to improve your self-care. Schedule your wellness appointments in advance. If you're thinking about getting pregnant, schedule a preconception visit. Schedule your pap smear now. Schedule your mammogram or colonoscopy if that is your age-related wellness screening that you need to get. Even if you schedule it months ahead of the time, ahead of time. So this month is January. New year, new you, right? You know that if you are 50, you should have a colonoscopy. If you are 40, you should have a mammogram. That's regardless of if you're pregnant, planning to be pregnant or not. You can't forget about those age-related things that you have to take care of. You don't want to be 40 having a baby and experiencing breast cancer because you didn't get a mammogram. 
That is not the way you want to go into a pregnancy. And I have a lot of women that are over age 35 um, and have family histories of breast cancer at age 40. Well, you should start getting screened at age 30. Um, and I have women that have never been pregnant and they're almost 40. And so you need to make sure you're taking care of your overall health first before you get pregnant. And a part of self-care is making sure your wellness appointments are up to date. Let's not ignore those. Let's not make excuses for those. Block the time out now. That is a part of making sure you're taking care of yourself. The next tip, schedule at least one really relaxing activity a day, such as walking or exercising or meditation, and discuss it with your partner to make sure that each of you have coverage for each other so you both can schedule these relaxing activities. If you're single, schedule this time after your kids go to bed or ask a family member to step up and help. Um, this activity should be about 30 to 45 minutes. The next tip, make sure to take a day for yourself every week to do something without your kids. You cannot have self-care if you're worried about your kids running out in the middle of the street or if you're going to your kids' baseball game. That's not self-care. That's parenting. So you need to take a day without them to do the things that you need to do. Um, that can be getting a mani-pedi or doing grooming and getting your hair done. Um, you can have a virtual party with your friends or a date night with your mate, um, which I actually tell my patients they should do at least every other week just to make sure you continue to date your mate. Um, that's whether you have kids. That's whether you don't have kids. If you're in a relationship with somebody, you have to treat that like a job, too. You need to take some time and, and spend some energy on um, developing that relationship. And that means being intentional um, with your mate every two weeks, taking time. I'm not saying you should only have sex every two weeks. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you should do something fun together every two weeks. Um, a healthy sexual activity should continue in that two-week period in addition to um, going out with your mate um, every two weeks. But in addition, Make sure that you are scheduling that time for yourself every week to get those that self-care grooming done. And even if it's not a week that you need grooming, um, like I said, talk to your friends, um, hang out, go have a drink, even if that's a virtual drink. The next tip, schedule time each week with your family. Family Actually put it on the calendar that Wednesday night, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., we're going to have pizza night and play games you'll find that your family will actually start looking forward to this. It will actually help you open conversation and discussion about what's going on at school, how are you coping at work, and help you guys reach some goals together after you talk about things that you're interested in. So be intentional about family time as well. The next tip, find something to laugh about every week. So yesterday I was with um, a couple of my sorority sisters because it was Founders Day on uh, this weekend of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And so I had some sorority sisters that came in town and we just laughed, one, because I was supposed to have dinner that uh, night <laughs> with a larger group, but y'all know I'm afraid of the pandemic. So I sort of chickened out and made an excuse not to go. And this uh, sorority sister uh, came down, drove three and a half hours from Wiley, the Wiley College area, so she's in Marshall, Texas, to come and have dinner with us. And I had brunch with her the next morning, and she talked about me like a dog in front of my other friend. But it was a smaller crowd. I felt safer being there. I wasn't as busy. But, yeah, we laughed. We laughed at me and how I invite people to stuff, and then I don't show up myself. But 
Either way, find something every day to laugh about. Like, don't take life that seriously. Laugh, joke with your family, and joke with yourself. Laugh at yourself. The next tip, take a weekend to declutter. So um, I have another podcast called Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations, right? And we had the wardrobe boss on um, on our, one of our episodes. So if you're not subscribed to that podcast, go and subscribe and listen to that episode. Because uh, I feel like once you get your life together and it's organized, it will bring down stress in your life and Take a weekend, declutter, get your life on track. That will help with stress and that helps with self-care because now you're organized. Now you don't have to spend as much time trying to figure out what to wear. Now you don't have to spend as much time trying to clean up stuff that you then lost or misplaced because it didn't have an appropriate place. So take some time, take a weekend, declutter. The next tip Plan your menu with your family a week at a time. So um, my mom and I do this. And if you listen to more than this episode, you know that my mom helps take care of my child, Harrison, because my husband and I are really busy. And so we've hired my mom as our full time nanny. But she sits down with us every weekend and she's like, this is what I'm going to make this week. And we go through and say, hey, I'm going to put this in the crock pot on Monday night and we're going to have, I don't know, chili. And she'll say, okay, well, the next day, Tuesday, I'm going to cook and we're going to have, I don't know, um, pasta. Um, and then the next day after that, you know, my husband will put something on the grill. So we have everything that we're going to do for the week. So we know, I know, hey, I'm going to put chili on Sunday night for Monday. So I'm already preparing for that. I've already bought the stuff I need for the whole week. So then I don't have to run around town and going to and from the grocery store to get meals at the last minute. Or my favorite, buy a whole bunch of stuff, bring it home, and you still not know what you're going to cook that week because you haven't planned the menu. So decrease your stress, plan your menu ahead of time, um, and that is a part of self-care. Anything you can do to decrease your stress and increase your productivity is going to be a part of self-care. The next tip, take time each day to reflect, and that's Reflect on things that happened that were good. Reflect on things that will happen that were bad. Ask yourself, did you handle that appropriately? So if you didn't like something that your boss said, how did you react to it? Did you handle it appropriately? How could you have handled it differently? Think about the things that you've been told in terms of goals that you've met or you haven't met. How can you tackle those things differently the next week? So take some time, sit down and literally reflect in quiet over a cup of tea. Just reflect and see how you did the past week and see what you need to do for the week to come. The next tip and last is when you're busy or anticipate you'll be busy, don't be afraid to ask for help. If you can afford to do so, schedule childcare uh, for a few hours to get a break. Um, hire a virtual assistant. That's one thing I learned when I was uh, having lunch with uh, my sorority sisters. One hired a virtual assistant and she said it's changed her life. She hired a virtual assistant. It cost her about $250 a month um, to get this virtual assistant a couple hours um, from 8 to 12 during the day. And this person basically schedules everything for her, um, will tell her, will reply to her social media feeds. So it's been very helpful for her and it's decreased her amount of stress and juggling. So if you can, hire a virtual assistant, hire some help to step in and help you. And then summon family to help. And don't be afraid to ask them for help. Everybody has to step up. It takes a village to raise a child. Don't be afraid to ask your village to actually do their jobs. 
And then I said that was my last tip, but there's actually one more. And that is when you feel emotionally overwhelmed, go ahead and schedule a counseling appointment. This year, 2021, this is not going to be the year that we are afraid to tackle our own mental health, right? So if you feel like I am about to lose it on this person, schedule a counseling appointment. And if you know that you had a rough year, even if you're coping with it well, Schedule an appointment to talk to somebody. It is okay to talk to somebody to just vent and have a therapist that can tell you, talk you through things. If you're having trouble processing things, having somebody to talk through it with is just amazing. So don't be afraid to do that this year. Schedule appointment for counseling. And I just tell people, even if you feel like you have nothing going on, just schedule a therapy appointment just in general. Like whether that's marriage counseling or personal counseling, like you should probably get that done a couple of times a year just just for baseline. So don't be afraid to do that this year. Try something new and schedule one. Okay, so today we'll talk through some cases and give advice about self-care and when it's relevant to these cases, I will let you know um, how this person can improve with self-care. So medical intern, what's our first case? Our first case is a 26-year-old who is 24 weeks pregnant with her second child. She has a four-year-old daughter and had postpartum depression after having her. She now feels very anxious during this pregnancy and has found herself crying often. She has missed several prenatal appointments because she has been busy homeschooling her daughter. Her OBGYN referred her to you because she thinks the patient has depression and needs to be on antidepressants. However, the patient refuses because she doesn't want medications and thinks that she just needs a self-care day. What should we tell this patient? So I do think that everybody should take a self-care day. But as my tips um, prior said, it's more than just a day, right? You have to really plan and implement things in your day-to-day life. It's a lifestyle change. So you should be practicing self-care constantly. Um, Do you need a personal day for yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, you have a four-year-old daughter who, uh, you know, probably has a whole bunch of stuff going on. You're homeschooling. Big ups to all the moms that are homeschooling. Like, I don't know if I could do that. Um, I definitely don't know if I could work and do that at the same time. Like, there's a reason that there are teachers that do this full time. Why? Because you need somebody fully invested in the in the future of your kids and teaching them um, materials. Yes, parents are responsible for enforcing that teaching, but somebody is supposed to be there dedicated to that student at all times. And when you have moms that may be working while they're doing homeschool, I mean, it is, it can be overwhelming. And so, uh, yeah, I think you need a self-care day, but you could also have depression. I mean, you've had a history of postpartum depression. And so what I would do is refer this person to a psychiatrist so they can be evaluated for depression. She has signs and symptoms, meaning she's crying often. She's anxious during this pregnancy. She's had a history of postpartum depression and her OB's evaluated her and already feels she has depression. So I would refer her to a psychiatrist for counseling and evaluation to see if she really does have depression. I do think that she should take some, t- some time and do self-care. If she has the means, I would definitely ask Um, her to hire somebody that could take care of her child on days that she can't, meaning make sure her child is doing her homeschooling like she should be um, and taking time so that she could do personal care. Um, Yeah, I think that those things are important, but I can't ignore the fact that your OBGYN thinks you might have depression. And if you have depression, practicing uh, self-care will help with that, but it doesn't take the place of getting counseling 
And if counseling is not helping you, then you need to be started on an antidepressant. There are several medicines in pregnancy that are safe for depression, okay? And I've started a number of those. Even those that have been found to uh, cause some conflict during the pregnancy, that conflict usually happens in the first trimester, meaning um, a risk of your baby having um, a heart defect or cleft lip with uh, Zola. Well, you can't create one after your baby's lip and heart are already developed. You're already 24 weeks. So any antidepressant that we would have put you on that could have caused birth defects won't cause them now because you're already 24 weeks. So if you need to be on an antidepressant, we have to weigh the risk of it, which after the first trimester, you don't have that risk of defects, but some antidepressants have been associated with having smaller babies, and some antidepressants have been associated with um, um, babies that are floppy or they fail to thrive after delivery. But that is usually higher dose anxiolytics or anti-anxiety medicines used within two weeks of delivery. Um, so if you need an antidepressant, um, even if it's going to make the baby drowsy about 12 hours after delivery, it's better than you going crazy or, you know, having suicidal thoughts or not being able to cope or, you know, pushing your family members away or going through a divorce and all those things that come with untreated depression. It's much better than that. And then if you think, oh, I don't want to be on an antidepressant because it's going to make my baby smaller. Well, depression and anxiety in general is associated with small babies because you're not taking care of yourself. You're not eating when you're supposed to eat. You're not drinking enough water. You're not getting the sleep that you need to um, to get. So all of those things are associated with poor prenatal outcomes as well. So we have to weigh the risk of the antidepressant versus the benefit of you being treated and living an overall healthier mental lifestyle. Um, I would err on the side of, hey, take the antidepressants to make sure that you're coping through the pregnancy um, much better. That would be my advice. And um, I also think with your history of postpartum depression, even if a psychiatrist doesn't think you need to be on medications, you are at more at risk for having postpartum depression and psychosis after this pregnancy. So if you um, all of a sudden your symptoms um, are compounded after you deliver within the first two to six weeks, or you find yourself hearing things that other people don't hear or seeing things that other people don't see, those are signs of postpartum psychosis. Um, and people that have a history of uh, psychiatric disorders or postpartum depression or depression in general do have an increased risk of that. And so I do think that if you're not on anything, um, but you're having a depressed mood, then you may wanna be on something even after the pregnancy. My case pearl is, Self-care is not a cure for depression. Depression takes treatment and that treatment can be long-term and sometimes it will mean that you need to take an antidepressant. And before you take it, weigh the risk of it versus the benefit. And if the benefit is better, you should take it. Medical intern, case two. Our second case is a 38-year-old woman who presents for her postpartum visit. She had a healthy baby girl a little over six weeks ago. She finds it extremely difficult to leave her newborn daughter. So she doesn't do much and has decided to now be a stay-at-home mom. Whenever her husband suggests that she goes and hangs out with her friends, she gets mad because she feels guilty about leaving her daughter. She presents asking about ways to gradually improve her anxiety and get back to her normal self. I think every mom um, suffers from this at, to some degree. 
I had a friend when I was in um, in uh, residency, and she's a friend of the pod, so she's going to listen to this, and she's going to know I'm talking about her, but I love her, so I'm going to talk about her. And she had a son, and she did not want to go anywhere for the first year of that son's life. Her husband would plan things for them to go to. He would ask me to come and babysit because I would babysit anyway. When she was at work or on call, I would be there. Or her mom or mother-in-law would come and basically spend weeks at a time there to make sure that they had adequate childcare. But if she was off, she wanted to be with that baby. And for the first year, she would get so mad at her husband for spontaneously, what she would think is spontaneous, but he had planned it because he asked for help, for planning something romantic for them or for planning a, a movie night or a date night. And she would, they would always cancel at the last minute. I would always know they would cancel. Even when he asked me, I would say, I would call over before I came and I would say, y'all still going? Y'all going this time? Or I'm coming anyway and I'm going to make her go. And I would literally come over and they would still not go. We would just sit there, hang out, drink wine and... We would just, you know, pass the baby around because she would not go because she felt like she worked all the time and she wanted every minute that she didn't work to be with her children. She was like, I don't want my kids not to know me. I'm always working. They see me the least out of everybody. I get it. And initially I didn't get it with with her. But now that I have Harrison, I definitely get it because I feel extremely guilty when I have to leave him during the day. I, I try to run home during lunch just to see him, even though I know he's about to go down for a nap. Um, I try to make sure that I'm spending time with him when I get home because I know that he only has you know, two to three hours to be up before he goes down to bed. I completely understand. I think it's very natural to feel like I have to spend more time with my child and mama guilt and as if your children are not going to know you. But guess what? They know who you are. Your children know who you are. You can be away for months at a time and your children will know who you are. It's just like when I see moms that have been had babies and then they're deployed and they come back after six months. Those children know their mothers. They know who you are. Even when dads get, you know, go away for long periods and come back, those kids know who you are. So do not feel guilty leaving your daughter. You cannot be a hundred percent yourself unless you take care of yourself. So your husband is right. You need to spend time, do things, go out of the house. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be a stay at home mom, but if you had a passion for what you were doing before, you don't have to give that up. You can continue to work, maybe work part time um, if you don't want to um, stay home full time. But don't feel like you have to be a stay at home mom because you're going to feel guilty. I think you should take time, implement the things that we talked about already earlier this episode and start with, hey, every week I'm going to leave my daughter with my mom or whomever in your family every week. Me and my husband are going to go somewhere. I'm going to leave. And then every two weeks, I'm going to leave and I'm going to get a mani-pedi. Or I'm going to spend time with friends. Like start there and start with like small periods of time. Like I'm going to leave the house for 30 minutes. 
and then gradually work your way up. And you'll find once you start going out with friends and once the pandemic is over, it'll be easier, right? Because you'll lose track of time. You'll say, I'll be back in an hour. And then you're laughing and joking. And then two and a half hours have passed and you're like, oh, snap, let me call the babysitter and tell her I'm going to be late. So it'll get easier, especially when the pandemic opens. But take those steps to gradually like make sure you're intentional about leaving and being out of the house. I'm not telling you to neglect your child, but take time for yourself. Um, definitely work your way out. And if you feel like you're anxious and you can't do it and you you can't like start with like 30 minutes, talk to your provider about getting counseling because anxiety is a real disorder. And so you might need some counseling um, for your anxiety and you might need to be on anxiolytic if the counseling techniques don't work. So um, don't ignore the anxiety. Do take time to yourself um, and just gradually work your way out by 30 minutes of alone time and then 30 minutes of leaving the house and then an hour of leaving the house until you get back to your regular routine. So my case pearl is you can't take care of anyone else unless you take care of yourself first. So take time for yourself. Make sure you're practicing safe. Oh, excuse me. It's going to say safe sex. <laughs> Make sure you're practicing. Take time for yourself. Make sure you're practicing self-care so that you can be the best mom in the planet. Do we have any email cases? We do. The email says, Dr. Plenty, my husband and I have a six-month-old baby. Since I was cleared to have sex at my six-weeks postpartum visit, my husband and I have only had intercourse twice. I'm just not in the mood, and I really don't have time for it. My husband read some article that said sex is part of self-care. Is this true? I feel like it's a part of his self-care plan and not mine. Please advise. Yes, sex is a part of a self-care plan, right? I, women need sex, men need sex. And if you're if you are in a relationship, in order to have a healthy relationship, you need a healthy sex life. And I'm not saying that you have to have intercourse, but you have to have some form of intimacy. So intimacy is very, very important. And so that's why I said earlier, you need to take time and be intentional and dating that other person in your relationship. And that means you're doing something intentional every two weeks. That does not apply to sex. You should be having sex more frequently than every two weeks. You really should be. So that is really a part of self-care. And your husband is trying to give you a little nudge, okay? Because um, what some people don't understand is, and what my mama always said is, if he's not getting it from you, he's going to get it from somewhere. And so you don't want to create animosity and distance in your relationship. Um, yes, your husband waited six weeks to have sex with you. And now you've been cleared for what, four and a half more months? And you've only had sex twice? That's a problem. And so you need to talk to your provider. You need to maybe go to sex therapy. And now we've learned from Dr. Kim Harris on a previous episode, um, there are you know intimacy clinics now. So you can be referred to an intimacy clinic or a sex therapist to talk about getting back your normal self. Um, I think a lot of women after they have a baby may have issues with body image. That's a real thing. They may have issues because they're breastfeeding. So they don't look at um, their breast as a sexual organ um, because that's something that supplies nutrition for their babies. Um, they may have um, issues um, because they had a laceration that needed to be repaired or, and they may not, um, you know, 
enjoy sex because it, it may be painful. It is painful initially when you start having sex um, because of the levels of hormone are now decreased after the pregnancy. So they drop and then it takes some time for them to go back to your pre-pregnancy hormone state. So that's a real thing. Um, so you do need to talk to somebody about that um, if you're not able to have sex. But your husband is right. I hate to t say the husbands are right. But your husband is right in this and that, yes, a healthy sex life and maintaining one is a part of self-care. So um, come on, mom, like get your groove back on. But if you feel like you can't have sex, like for some reason, like you're just not there, like you can't get there, then you need to talk to a provider and you need to see either an intimacy clinic or specialist or um, a sex therapist. But yes, practice some things and experiment with your husband and find things that interest you because you may have a different sexual appetite. You may need to experience different sexual things now. So communicate with your spouse and then just figure out what works for you guys. And like I said, if you feel like you can't have sex, then talk to a professional. And I believe that is all. Those are all of our emails and cases for today. Is that right, medical intern? Uh, yep, you're at wrap up. Perfect. Thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. Go ahead and share the podcast in this episode with your friends and family who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or who want or need women's health tips. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick tips on pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.